Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here as in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Episode 186 of the Shock Shock Knicks podcast on the Posting and Toasting Podcast Network. Sean St. Jacques back here with you yet again, talking Knicks, talking trade deadline, talking NBA once again as we hit the middle of the month of January in the year 2023. Hope you're having a good week. Hope that you are doing well to start out the new year. I think we're getting past the the happy new year uh comments to each other i would i would guess i would think that that the statute of limitations on that is probably up at this point but uh we have plenty to talk about no question about that this week on the podcast we will get to plenty oh plenty of nba trade deadline fodder later on in the show much much of it i should say almost all of it revolving around the Knicks especially now with the updated injury woes the Knicks are now going through we will see if that impacts the Knicks trade deadline escapades in the weeks to come February 9th is the NBA trade deadline the Knicks could be big movers and shakers during that period so we'll touch on that it's been another roller coaster week on the court for the Knicks. A ton to get to there, and that is where we will begin. We start in the nation's capital. Day the podcast came out last week. Knicks Wizards, it was a a game at one point I, I really thought the Knicks were gonna do very well to win. The Wizards 
had a really, really good opportunity at the end of the half to take control of the game. They didn't. The Knicks had the lead going into the fourth quarter and almost let it slip away. The, the Knicks really, again, much like the Indiana game, did all they could to let the Wizards back into it. Jalen Brunson was phenomenal. Julius Randle has been on a tear of late. R.J. Barrett, uh, again, he's getting himself reacclimated to the lineup these last few games. He was strong in this game as well with 17 points. But give the Knicks, in this game, give the Knicks some credit. Quickly had 18 as well. I mean, these are all players in the month of January, going back even to the middle of December, who have been rolling of late you know our obviously rj has been hurt but you look at randall robinson and quickly it's why the knicks really have been able to surge at times over the last month of the regular season those three were tremendous against washington in this game they've been tremendous all season long especially the last month month and a half those three have been the catalyst so RJ gets back into it as well. The Knicks had to hold on. Oh boy. They had to hold on at the end of this one. Despite a monster game, by the way, from Kyle Kuzma. He had 40 points in this game at times, dragging the Wizards back into it. Kristaps Porzingis had some late threes that really made it interesting. But in the end, the Knicks did the business. Julius Randle had that crazy dunk. That was a turning point in the game as well. But in the end, down the stretch, the Knicks made enough free throws to win, and they won it 112 to 108. And at the time, that in that really was a big sp- you know springboard for the Knicks, I felt, because you beat a, a team that is reeling a bit, and you keep them out of the playoff conversation, and then you had Detroit next, and if you can beat Detroit, that could give you some momentum going into a big homestand and the Knicks took care of Detroit in the next game. Julius Randle was a monster. He just, he dominates Detroit. The Knicks have dominated the Pistons of late. Randle at 42 and 15. Jalen Brunson at 27 and five Barrett and Grimes in double figures as well. 17 for Emmanuel quickly who again has been phenomenal of late Knicks won it by 13 and they moved on to the homestand I kind of I'm going through the wins somewhat quickly here and the reason for that is because the Knicks had then had two very very disappointing defeats at home to follow that and this is where it gets very tough because we keep going back to the same things with this Knicks team and there are it's really there's a lot more than this but there's three big pockets here three big points to get to before you kind of uh, map it out to the finer points you know the first part and I'm just talking about the Knicks this season is the Knicks struggle at home after the losses to Toronto and Washington, which we will get to in a second, the Knicks are now 11 and 13 at home this season. That's the third worst home record in the entire Eastern conference. It's one of the worst home records 
in the entire NBA. And for a playoff team to be that poor at home is unacceptable. I mean, you're just not going to get away with that at the end of the season and in the postseason. The Knicks have to rectify that issue. And I get that a lot of these games have been against good teams, contending teams, playoff teams. But the the Raptors came in, they were five games under 500. The Wizards came in five or six games under 500. And the Wizards game, we'll get to that in a second because there's more at play than than just the Wizards have been struggling. Well, obviously, there's more to talk about there. But the point remains. The Knicks have not been good enough on their home floor this season. Number two, inconsistency guarding the perimeter. It continues to be a problem. The Knicks, particularly in the second half of games, struggle defending the perimeter. I don't I don't know what it is. I really I don't know if it's a lack of effort, communication, talent, consistency. I don't know what it is. But the Knicks, especially against contending teams, can't guard the three point line when it matters most. They can't do it. They, they, this happens also in games the Knicks win. They can't guard the three-point line down the stretch. We just touched on it in the Wizards win. The way Washington was able to get back into the game in the fourth quarter was because they made three-point jump shots, and most of them were either open or not fully contested. You know, just a late arm getting flung up there. Late to to jet out to the three-point line to contest. I mean, these are very simple mistakes that the Knicks continue to make. And number three, and this is the one I I think that boggles my mind the most, and that's saying something because the first two... I never thought we would be saying with this Knicks team this year. I really didn't. I didn't think we'd we'd, we'd be sitting here weeks before the trade deadline wondering why the Knicks can't win consistently at home and how they can't defend on the perimeter late in the games. I don't understand it. But the last point is that for whatever reason, for whatever reason, reason overall the Knicks can't consistently win and that might be obvious but it's just it boggles my mind overall the Knicks are just inconsistent despite getting very consistent performances from their best players the Knicks as a team are inconsistent it's it it i i get to a point where i lose the words i really do i can't find them to describe why the Knicks can't figure this out and to be honest it, it might be simpler than i'm making it out to be it could just be the Knicks aren't talented enough not deep enough i, I mean people have pointed this out as as a problem with tibbs maybe it is but I think it's not just Tibbs. If you have to go to Tibbs for that, 
it, it's it's also on the players. Jalen Brunson has taken accountability over this publicly with the players. You know, when the Knicks lost five straight home games earlier this year, Jalen Brunson put that on the team, on the players. Said, we have to do better. That can't happen again. Well, here we go again. The, the Knicks again can't win home games. The Toronto game is the one that really, for me, hurts the most. Because again, you have a lead going into the fourth quarter. The Raptors came out in the first quarter. They played with that desperation the Knicks expected to see. The Knicks counteracted that in the second half and took a halftime lead. They built on it in the third quarter. But slowly and surely... The Raptors tied the game and sent it to overtime. Now, obviously, R.J. Barrett is the one that ends up getting the the tying bucket. That's what obviously sends the game to overtime. I'm just saying, the Knicks had a lead. Knicks had a lead in the fourth. The Raptors came back. They take the lead and force the Knicks to have to tie it at the end. Obviously, the Raptors didn't send it to overtime. I misspoke there. But the point remains... It got to the point where the Raptors turned a Nick lead into Nick's need to score here to send it to overtime and give RJ Barrett credit. He has an, a ridiculously amazing moment, that great dunk in the final seconds that sends the game to overtime. And I'm thinking, now you got to win the game. Knicks have to win this game now. And in overtime... In a crazy overtime, to be fair. There was a, a number of key moments in the overtime. But in the end, the Knicks take a last-second shot to try to win the game, and it rims out. Knicks lose in overtime, 123-121. And for the second time this season, the Raptors escape the Garden. I, I just... It doesn't make any sense. The, the, the Knicks have nobody to blame but themselves. The Raptors had no right to win either one of those two games. And the Knicks, with self-inflicted wounds down the stretch, concede both of those games to the Raptors. Van Fleet, who was, by the way, questionable going into the game, give him credit, He was day-to-day, might not have been able to play. That was a question mark going into the game. He leads Toronto with 33 points. Siakam, who had 52 last time at the Garden, had 20 this time. Almost had a a triple-double, actually, an assist and and, uh, two rebounds shy. And Scotty Barnes goes off for 26. And we talked about, I I think we talked about this on the podcast last week. If we didn't, it might have been an article I wrote. Uh, last week Scotty Barnes had carried Toronto in the previous game with Fred Van Fleet out but now you let him get loose for almost 30 in this game and the bench gives you 16 between two players but the starters are what killed the Knicks in this game as far as defensively Randall has another big game he was two assists shy of a triple double RJ Barrett was phenomenal You waste another great performance from Jalen Brunson. Quickly in double figures again. Grimes, who's starting to wake back up a little bit. 
into double figures as well. Robinson, who's now hurt, we'll get to that in a second as well. He had 11 and 8. 37 very quality minutes from him on the defensive end of the floor. And then the Knicks lose yet again a heartbreaker at MSG. It's becoming a habit. It is a habit now. I mean, we're getting to the point where the, the Knicks can't be reliable at the Garden. It's unacceptable. It's unacceptable. The The reason I've been a little bit nicer with the Wizards game is, is simply because Bradley Beal changes the equation. I mean, there's just no, no debating that, you know? He completely changes the narrative for the Wizards. He comes back and he you could just tell. It's a different Wizards team with him in the lineup. And the Wizards are in dire straits. I mean, they are borderline not in the playoff conversation right now, but Bradley Beal with his 18 points sparks a a Wizards rally at the Garden and that great first quarter that they put together, the Knicks had to fight their way back the whole game. But in the end, the Wizards won it 116-105. They win by 11. And it, again, it compounds the Knicks' woes, but this one makes a little bit more sense because Bradley Beal is one of the best scorers in the NBA. You bring him back, and the Wizards are a different animal. Jalen Brunson talked about the Knicks having to ease their way into this game. That's concerning, but I think, and you could argue that's a bigger problem the Knicks have at times at MSG, but really, for me, they can't close games when they're at home. That's the big problem. Easing into a game is one thing, and I think this is an outlier as far as that's concerned. The Knicks can't close games. The fourth quarter continues to be a problem, and it goes to that general overall consistency with the team. And their home woes. And you can throw in their perimeter defense as well in the fourth quarter. That's where it really is highlighted the most. But I'm at a loss for words, really. And I know that it's my job here to find them. But how many how many weeks has it been? It's got to be four or five. Where we keep coming back to this. We keep coming back to this. And now the Heat have caught the Knicks in the standings. And I told you, in this Eastern Conference, a team like Miami is going to find a way to to re-enter the conversation. Now the Knicks are tied with Miami for the sixth spot, and they're in in the seventh spot on a tiebreaker. So this this has got to be a wake-up call. Again, it seems like every other week there's a wake-up call for the Knicks. Even during their good runs, there's a wake-up call. It's unbelievable. Because the Knicks now are 25-21, and but their positioning in the East isn't as cushy as it was two weeks ago. And in the NBA nowadays, especially in this East where it's so tight, you lose two games and teams are going to make up ground. It's just how it goes. The Hawks have made up some ground. The Heat have made up some ground. And it's a lot tighter than it was, you know, 10, 12 days ago. 
the other part of this too is now the Knicks play Atlanta next, the day the podcast goes out. Then they play Toronto, both on the road. Then Cleveland returns to the Garden. Then it's at Boston, at Brooklyn, and then LA comes to the Garden. I mean, these are going to be very, very difficult games. By the way, then February kicks off, and you've got Miami, Clippers, Sixers, all at home. I mean, that's a that's a season-defining homestand coming up for the Knicks. These next eight games in particular could be season-defining. Because remember, this is around the time last year, early to mid-February and then it turned into the whole month. But the Knicks lost their way around this time last season. They lost their way. And now they've got a big injury issue with Mitchell Robinson being out for the next three weeks. He's got a thumb injury, needs surgery. And with a fractured thumb, I don't know how this Knicks front court is going to look. Without Mitchell Robinson in there, who's been playing oh so well in the last few weeks. It's a huge blow. There's really there's really no debate with that. You know, with all due respect to Jericho Sims or Isaiah Hartenstein, I, it, they just don't bring the same level of consistency, especially on the defensive end of the floor. I mean, we talked about this briefly last week. We didn't touch on it a lot, but... Isaiah Hartenstein's having a rough run at the moment. He's really struggling. You know, there were times earlier this season where he was getting double-doubles every once in a while. He's struggling to even get points right now. He really can't hold his own on either end of the floor. And with all due respect to Jericho Sims, like I said, very athletic player. He's got some Mitchell Robinson in him on the defensive end of the floor. But he's still very raw. Jericho Sims has got a long way to go to be a starting center in the NBA. He's got at least a year or two to start to get close to being in that discussion. So this is a scary little few weeks here. From now until February 5th, 6th, this is a very pivotal point in the Knicks season. I think I said, was it eight games? These eight games the Knicks have coming up could dictate the entire rest of the season. And now we have to see if the Knicks can be on the right side of these crossroads they keep finding themselves in. Last year, Knicks were hanging tight in the postseason race and they faltered heavily in the month of February. And we never heard from them again last season. We barely talked about the Knicks in March and April as far as being in the race. They played themselves out of it. And listen, injuries were part of it. Boo-hoo. Doesn't matter. No excuses. The Knicks have a big piece out in every sense of the word. They've got to figure out how to win four or five of these next eight games. For me, that's a success. If you can get four and four, five and three here, the Knicks could use that as a springboard going into the all-star break and the trade deadline in reverse order, of course. And then 
try to launch themselves towards the playoffs. But if it goes south like it did last February, the the Knicks not only could be making some big changes personnel-wise, they could be making some big changes with the coach and in the front office as well. This is a very slippery slope right now for the Knicks. And it really, they don't have anybody to blame but themselves here. The Knicks have the talent, and we've seen it, to be in the playoffs this year. And now they've got to prove it. This is a very tough run they have upcoming. The Knicks have to prove they belong in the East. And we'll see if they're up for the ta- up for the challenge and if they can if they can hack it in this Eastern Conference because if the last two games are any indication they are they are not where they need to be. And the inconsistencies with this team continue to infuriate. It's mind-boggling to me how they continue to struggle at home. Before we take the break, I just I said this earlier, but I want to further hammer this home. The Knicks have the third worst home record in the East. It's mind-boggling. The only team, teams I should say, that have a worse home record are the Hornets and the Pistons, who are the two worst teams in the East, full stop. And if the Magic win their next home game, because they're tied with the Magic for that third worst home record in the East, they're, they're, <laughs> they're the third worst by themselves. Yeah, I mean, you even look at the West. The Knicks, there, there's only two teams in the West that have a worse home record than the Knicks. It's the Spurs and the Rockets. And the Rockets have lost 12 straight. They're on the worst run in the NBA. It's absolutely mind-boggling. It really is. And again, like I said, while the Knicks have struggled, the Hawks have won four in a row. The Heat have rekindled some, some life into their season. I mean, imagine, again, the Knicks have one of the worst home records. They actually have the second-best road record in the East, only behind the Boston Celtics. I mean, imagine where the Knicks would be if they were playing half-decent at home. The Knicks could be in the fourth or the or the third spot right now if they had a half-decent home record. Three, four games over five hundred. that's where they'd be right now. But here we are. I mean, it's unbelievable. It really is. I think we need to take a break. When we come back, we will shift gears to the trade deadline. We'll talk Knicks, and we'll broaden the scope to the rest of the NBA. All of that and more is next on the Shock Shock Knicks podcast on the Posting and Toasting Podcast Network. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. 
Ships Registry, Bahamas. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here as in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Second half of the show, trade deadline. Everyone loves talking about it. it, it it's crazy to me that in 2023, and really it's been even years before that because of Twitter and Woj and Shams and you know this entire culture around the trade deadline now, there's people that like talking about the trade deadline more than they like talking about the games. It really is a crazy phenomenon that's, uh, that's materialized in recent years. It's something that I don't necessarily subscribe to. It's not something I do when I talk with my friends a lot. I mean... It comes up, but it doesn't, you know, it doesn't get outweighed by uh, the games, by the teams, by the uh, the matchups. But it is what it is. Doesn't make, by the way, doesn't mean I don't like talking about it. It's fascinating, especially when we get closer to the trade deadline. We're going to have a, even more to speak about. I mean, it might take up the entire show in the weeks to come. But for now, we begin with some trade rumors involving the Knicks and Lots of people have started to weigh in on what the Knicks are going to do, what they should do, what they can possibly do at the trade deadline. Of course, now that Mitchell Robinson is injured, how does that change things? Well, earlier on the Thursday we recorded the podcast, there was rumors saying that the Knicks, and really it's more speculation than even rumors, to be fair, that the Knicks could maybe try to go and get a deal done with Orlando for Mo Bamba, the former Texas Longhorns star, to maybe try and fill in the gaps. And then, of course, the Knicks already have a former Texas Longhorns star in Jericho Sims who would try and make an impact. And, you know, in this hypothetical trade, basically the Knicks would send Isaiah Hartenstein and Cam Reddish, who they've been trying to get rid of for a few months now, to the Magic. And in return, the Knicks would receive Mobamba in return. Knicks would save some money on that deal as well. Mobamba, I believe, is only, I think he's only owed $10 million. And combined between Reddish and Hartenstein, you're looking at somewhere in the neighborhood of $14 million. So financially, it would make some sense. The Knicks would be able to address an issue while getting a player they don't want anymore off the books as well in Cam Reddish and a player that's been struggling in Isaiah Hartenstein. We'll see. You know, I mean, the Mo Bamba part of it is interesting to me. I, I don't know if um, if it's a situation where uh, if the Knicks... Um, long-term, if this makes sense for the Knicks, right? But to be fair, Mitchell Robinson is very injury-prone. So when you look at that part of the equation, you could say, well, actually, maybe it does make a little bit of sense that the Knicks would go in that direction. The other part of this, too, in this scenario that's been discussed a little bit, two things, right? The first part doesn't mean as much as the second part, but Mo Bamba's a New York native. 
fans love that. Big fan of New York natives, tri-state area natives playing for the Knicks. The other part of it is the fact that you can get rid of two players, one of which you really don't like anymore on your team, and the other is having a really rough time of it. I don't know if Isaiah Hartenstein's going to find the same form that we saw earlier in the season. So that's the the positive. On top of that, by the way, Mo Bamba can shoot the three. Nick struggle in that department on both ends of the floor. And the Magic can actually open themselves up a little bit in the front court where they've been trying to adjust some things as well. So also there have been reports in the past that the Magic have been going after Isaiah Hartenstein as well. So that's going to be an interesting one to look at moving forward. Again, I, it's pure speculation, so it's hard to kind of see what they're going to do. Um, they're, let's let's put it like this with, for the rest of this. The Knicks have multiple players they can they can get rid of, but they have multiple needs as well, right? So number one is who's going to get traded because so many players have now been discussed for the Knicks. Number one is Cam Reddish. I, I, at this point, I'd be extremely shocked if the Knicks don't trade him before the trade deadline. It's almost a must that the Knicks have to do that at this point. It's gone too far down the pike. The next couple of players here are where it gets interesting. Emmanuel quickly has come up multiple times. So has Evan Fournier, who can potentially get a decent return to the Knicks back. So could quickly, by the way, more so quickly. But Evan Fournier, you can get potentially something big for him. Knicks need some shooters. Knicks need defense on the perimeter. They need wing players that can defend. So where can they address those issues, right? The next part of this is, do the Knicks look at their depth? You know, do you look at maybe getting rid of Obi Toppin? Do you look at getting rid of Derrick Rose, who's barely played this season, even when he's been healthy? So there's four or five guys that are six, if you you include Hartenstein, really, that are involved right now. And frankly, I I think for almost all of them, you really can't make an argument. The Knicks have a, a, a strong starting five. And you throw in Emmanuel quickly, and you've got a good core six, but the part with quickly is what can you get back from for him, and will it address some offensive woes shooting the three, and will it uh, address the perimeter defense issue that the Knicks continue to have to battle throughout the rest of this season? Very tough choices. I mean, for me, if you can keep quickly, I think you should keep him. But the other five, I wouldn't be surprised at all if the Knicks got rid of. I think for me, the two big candidates now become Cam Reddish, who's number one by quite a margin, and Evan Fournier, who I think the Knicks have definitely moved on from. I think it's pretty obvious that the Knicks are done with him. They they are not going to use him anymore. And one of the issues, and for me, Hindsight's twenty twenty, but when you look back at when the Knicks signed him, along with Kemba Walker, 
you wonder, did the Knicks have to settle here? Because Evan Fournier never addressed the defensive issues that he brought to the Knicks with him. At times, he had great offensive games, but those went to the wayside as well. And at some points during the end of last season and this season, you were getting nothing out of Evan Fournier. So that really was another trade you look back on, another deal I should say you look back on, that really didn't work out well for the Knicks at all for an extended period of time. Fascinating stuff. It really is. I mean, last thing I'll mention here is the fact that when you look at the Knicks from a defensive standpoint, there are some issues they have to address, but... The other thing, too, is scoring depth has been an issue lately as well. After Brunson, Barrett, and Randall, and again, quickly he's addressed it at times, but, you know, Quentin Grimes has been struggling. He's been on and off of late. And Obi Toppin, I mean, you could argue because of the injury, he's taken a step back so far this season. Really has not made the impact at all even when he's played, that the Knicks have have expected from him. And I really start to wonder what his future with the Knicks looks like. I did before the season started, but remember I said in my Knicks preview, if Obi Toppin's not improving his scoring, he starts to lose his worth with the team. You start to have to look in other directions. So it really is a big crossroads trade deadline for the Knicks, and it certainly will be a big crossroads offseason for the Knicks if they don't get into the playoffs. A lot of guys can be moving around in February and in the summer, especially in the summer if this Knicks season, like it did last year in February, doesn't go in the right direction. Because with the way the Knicks have positioned themselves, especially because if they can get to the trade trade deadline and they're three or four, like they're around where they are right now, three or four, five games over 500, that's a team that's got to make the playoffs. No excuses. And also by the trade deadline, the Knicks should hopefully be getting Mitchell Robinson back from his injury. So that's a lot on the Knicks' shoulders And again, the other part too, the Knicks have eight big games for the trade deadline. Those games could also dictate what happens at the trade deadline with with this team. Because if the Knicks go two and six, three and five, the conversation could totally change. But if if they go what I'm hoping they'll go, which is four and four or five and three, then maybe they make one or two moves to get rid of Cam Reddish, maybe get rid of Hartenstein or Fournier and try to address the wing issues on this team defensively and get some three-point shooters on the perimeter because the Knicks just don't have enough of them. Much like pitchers in Major League Baseball, in the NBA, you can never have enough three-point shooting. You want to have too much of it, if anything. And the Knicks don't have enough. It really is a... uh, a tough thing that the Knicks are going to have to cope with if they don't address it at the trade deadline. And that could really impact how their season plays out. 
I said this last week as well. We'll, we'll broaden the scope here briefly on the trade deadline conversation before we bid you adieu for this week's episode. But last week I said the most intriguing team at the trade deadline was going to be the Atlanta Hawks. Since I said those words, the Hawks have not lost a game. They've won four in a row, and they are right back smack dab in the middle of the playoff conversation. It changes very quickly in the East because teams go on runs. The Bulls are back in a playoff spot, holding off Toronto, trying to hold off Washington. The Pacers have lost five in a row. They've fallen off quite a bit. And while that's happened, the Hawks have passed them. So it changes so, so quickly in the NBA. It really does. So now, when you look at what's ahead here for the Knicks, these next two weeks are vital. Because right now, again, with the Hawks, now you look at the trade deadline and they could say, and again, this could change, obviously, but... You look at the trade deadline now and you could say, well, how do we improve the team? We could do this. We can go on a run. We're now a game and a half out of the sixth seed in the automatic playoffs and wouldn't have to play in the play-in, which is seven through 10. It totally changes the dynamic. You know, it's the same thing for a team like Washington. They've been trying everything they can to tread water. Well, Bradley Beal's back. I don't know how long he'll be back for, but if they can get two or three good months out of him, the Wizards could definitely be in in the top six conversation in the East. No question. The Hawks have been inconsistent. The Knicks have been inconsistent. The Heat are finally figuring it out, but it's because they've gotten healthy. The Pacers have been inconsistent. The Raptors are inconsistent. The Bulls can't figure it out on the road this season. So it it really is interesting. In the East, in the West. Quick roundup here. But in the West, I I wouldn't be surprised at all if the Kings thought about going, going a little big here at the trade deadline. They're five wins out of the last five. They're third in the West. By the way, the Grizzlies are have won 11 straight. They're red hot. Hottest team in the NBA. The only other team that's cop- uh, competing with them there is, is the Nuggets, who are a half game ahead of them in the West. They've won eight in a row. But look at Utah. All of a sudden, the Jazz, again, who looked like they were going to be tanking. They're back in the sixth spot. And the Blazers, who looked like they were falling off, they're now out of the play-in conversation right now. They're still able to potentially get back into it, but they've lost seven of the last ten. And we all know the story with Phoenix by now. Nine losses in their last ten. They're now in the 12th spot in the West because everybody's hurt. So it's... It, it really is a wild, wild West. Again, I mean, every year it's like this. Golden State's back up to the 7th spot. Utah recovers up to the 6th spot. The Timberwolves are back in the play and So are the Thunder. The Lakers are struggling. The Suns can't buy a game because they're injured. The Blazers are struggling again. The Kings are red hot. The Grizzlies are red hot. The Nuggets are red hot. And the Pelicans have been without Zion, but they're still in the fourth spot. While Denver's trying to recover from another losing streak. I mean, 
You name it, in the West, it could happen at the trade deadline. So many teams could be buyers that aren't normally buyers, like the Pelicans and the Kings and the Jazz. And teams like Phoenix, Minnesota, Portland. I mean, the Clippers have lost eight of their last ten. Who knows what happens with them at the trade deadline? The Lakers can't do anything. The Suns, I mean, again... The Suns, what are they going to do? Are they going to hope and pray that this is going to be figured out? Because now, yes, they're a half game back of the play-in and a game and a half back of the playoffs automatically, but they're five games back of a home playoff series right now because of how well the Kings are playing and the Pelicans are playing. More of this and the Suns' postseason outlook could be very dire. What does that mean for them at the trade deadline? I really don't know. But it's going to be fascinating to watch. On that note, I will leave you for the week. That is going to do it for this week's episode of the Shock Shock Knicks podcast. So much to ponder. I mean... Like I mentioned earlier, as much as I don't always like to put it ahead of the games, the transaction side of it is fascinating. And so many teams have a story going into the NBA trade deadline. And and it's brought up a weird thing, you know. Would you rather have a super team that dominates and everyone's trying to take them out? Or would you rather have parity? This year we have parity. It's pretty darn good. Pretty darn good. And the trade deadline, I think, is going to reflect that in a few weeks time i'll leave it there thank you so much as always for listening to the podcast hope you're having a good week and a good start to your new year it's always so much appreciated if you want to let me know your thoughts on what's going on with the knicks and what's going on with the nba comment under one of my articles on postingandtoasting.com or underneath the shock shock knicks podcast logo where we post the episodes every week comment there or you can go on Twitter at SSaintJ7 is where you find me and we can discuss it further there. Or I'll talk to you next time right here on the Shock Shock Knicks podcast and on the Posting and Toasting podcast network. Have a great week, everybody.